Hi, and welcome to episode 66 of the Crafty Planner podcast. My name is Sandy Hazelwood, and I'm a former city planner who loves all things crafty. Through the podcast, I share the stories of makers in your community to inspire you on your own creative journey. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Lucky Spool Media, founder of the Mighty Lucky Quilting Club. As part of my continuing series on the Mighty Lucky Quilting Club, today's guest is Angela Walters of Quilting is My Therapy. Living in Missouri, Angela is a long-arm quilter, fabric designer, author, teacher, wife, and mother. For this month, she is teaching about how to say something in your free motion quilting for her design challenge. During our podcast, we talk about her teaching style, why she decided to open up a brick and mortar store, and the importance of finishing as opposed to perfection. As a warning, we ran into some technical difficulties affecting the sound quality for the first five minutes of the episode. I apologize for the inconvenience, and I hope that you will continue to listen to the entire thing. Angela is truly inspiring. Hi, Angela. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm super excited to have you on the show. I feel like I say that a lot, (laughs) but I think I really am. (laughs) And um, (laughs) like to share one quick story about Angela before we get started. Um, Angela was one of the first people that I ever took a class from, and it was a design free motion quilting class. And I was just blown away by so many different things about the presentation. One, I think just the like just humbleness that you have about the craft, um, about your true desire to teach people on their own levels, what they might want. Um, and also just your professionalism. And I remember thinking, and I think I sent you this email afterwards and said, like, Angela, you've changed my mind about so many things that I held dear. And I still consider you like my, my mentor that I don't have, but someone I look up to. (laughs) And, um, so I feel, um, just, like I said, ecstatic to have you here today. So, oh, well, I tell you, you couldn't pay me a nicer compliment. Like I love machine quilting and I love to do, you know, quilts and stuff like that. But for somebody come say that they enjoyed a class or enjoyed a presentation, because I mean, I really do work at that. And so you really couldn't pay me a sweeter compliment. So thank you for saying it again. Oh, Appreciate I will say it again. And I mean, every word of it. So you have to tell everybody how you became like this long arm quilter, author, fabric designer, like extraordinaire. (laughs) So we have enough time. (laughs) We do anything for you, Angela. Oh, you're sweet. I always start off like um, any lecture or something with a joke. Have you ever heard the saying, um, even the blind squirrel with the net sometimes? Mm -hmm. Well, that's me. I'm a blind squirrel. (laughs) I haven't fell into it by chance. Like who thinks that they're going to, you know, become a quilter or all that kind of thing. But to go way back to the beginning, my husband's grandpa actually taught me how to make quilts. And he's the first one that took time to pour that, you know, time into my life. And and um, he was actually the one that talked my husband into buying my long arm for me. So from making that first quilt to, you know, learning how to machine quilt, having him cheer me on the whole way was so instrumental in getting me here because he was completely encouraging. We weren't a part of a guild or anything. So he always told me I was the best quilter he knew. And I always <laughs> felt like that was the case. Um, but as it grew really besides that it was really being um, at that first meeting at the Kansas City Modern Quilt Guild that did it I like to say you know I was in the right place at the right time I'd been machine quilting for seven years up to that point so I knew and loved the art of machine quilting but I loved the aesthetic of modern quilts so I feel that I was bilingual I could speak (laughs) both languages right I could talk to traditional 
quilters and say, hey, this is a fun new aesthetic that's coming out and people are actually quilting. That's awesome. And then I could go to modern cultures and teach there and say, you know, let's talk about some different ways to quilt your clothes. So, you know, really it's just, you know, and then from there, I realized if I was just more intentional about how I grew my business, I could start adding these different facets to help, you know, support everything. And so that's it in a nutshell. Well, talking about being more intentional, um, we've talked about this a little bit and you share this story in your classes, but your husband is an entrepreneur. He owns how many Subway franchises? We have two Subways right now and an Auntie Anne's pretzel franchise. Um, he had more, but he sold them so I can buy my quilt shop. Isn't Aww. that him, right? What a good no, I, I'd say he is a business savant. I mean, truly, he bought his first franchise when he was 18. Wow. And so for him, I mean, he's always been very business-minded and that's how we met. I was the manager of the Burger King next to the subway. And so I always say he married me for my fast food experience. <laughs> he knew <laughs> that you'd be along for the ride because you were already there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would understand that. And so I worked, gosh, in the subways for quite a while. But by the time, you know, we had two kids and the, sub- or the quilting was really taking off. And then finally he let me off the hook. So I found the subway business, but I can still make a pretty awesome foot long if you ever, if you're ever in town. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, right around that time I was deciding to be a part of the industry. I went to this class and I could see all of the preparation you went through in your presentation. You talked about, you know, when you had prepared this presentation in front of a business coach, you were talking about how to make sure like people in the back of the audience could hear you, see you. You talked, I mean, it was just like, I was there to learn about free motion quilting, but instead I was learning not only that, but about your professionalism. So do you, you know, do you work with business coaches? I've heard the rumor and I think you've confirmed it, that you listen to a lot of business books when you're, you're quilting. You've got a husband who's kind of by your side, who's got that perspective. And yet I still feel like there's this like stigma about talking about the professional side of our industry. Yet most of us, we need to make money. You know, we need to pay our mortgage. So how does that work for you? Yeah, that's, that's kind of a multi-layered question there. And, you know, um, I feel like to be, in business, which is, this is what I am. I'm in business. Um, I really came in it from the most profitable side. When I'm quilting for a customer, I'm, I'm making money without a lot of overhead. And now it's not scalable is the thing. So when I'm quilting for customers and I come into the book stuff and I realize like, whoa, this isn't as profitable as I thought it was. That kind of made me get creative with the way that I promoted it. Right. And so everything that I do kind of promotes everything. And sometimes I feel like a big snowball that's going to roll over me at any given moment. (laughs) But for the most part, I've stayed ahead of it. Um, I just think to any person that's wanting to do it, I I just remember when I first started out. And if you can imagine me, you know, 13 years ago, with my new old long arm telling my husband, I would do it for free. I would quote for some for free. And he's looking at me like, but you can't ever say that because you have to make money doing it. So I I think just being intentional about um, knowing that it's a business. if you're doing for a hobby, you just want spending money. That's awesome. There is nothing wrong with that. But if you're, you know, wanting to build it and you're saying, I want to build name recognition, I want to do all this. Well, then you have to work on your business. You need to run it like a business and, you know, you can have fun doing it at the same time for sure and do what you love. But, you know, you do have to treat it like a business, which is something that I learned many years after starting, which is, I think, why I'm so passionate about it, because I feel like more people need to know that when they're starting out. I think you're right. And I think what happens is that 
you know, we're so scared that we're going to lose an opportunity that we want to say yes to everything, regardless of even what the conditions are to that. And I think it's something where we have to step back and say, but what's our long-term plan? Like you're saying, in the beginning, you may just do it as a hobby. And we all sort of get, I think not all, but most of us get into it because it is a hobby that we learn and just love and love and love, and we want to stay in it. Um, And so sometimes we make decisions based on that perspective, you know, like, well, I will do this forever because I love to make it. So like, don't stop me. But then, you know, when you try and think about, but I've got to support my kids. And if I'm not working somewhere else, like you're now not working at Burger King. Thank God for the quilting world that that is true. Um, So, you know, then, then it's like, well, then how do I think about doing this in a considerate way that also considers what I want to do in the next five, 10, 20 years? Yeah. You know, and I feel like I want to be really careful and really transparent that sitting up here being like, I know everything about running a business and I did everything right. And that's why I'm here. Honestly, I am here despite the fact that I have done so many things wrong. I feel like, but if I could tell somebody like, okay, here's what I did, do the opposite (laughs) for the last few years, right? You know, it was a good eight year learning process really, you know, and it was only within the last five or six years when I realized like, okay, I'm do I'm not doing this right. I need to be intentional. And I honestly, I remember that point really vividly. Um, I had just gotten turned down um, for something I really wanted and they had opted for another person who was very similar to me. And I just remember the person doing the choosing, I'd be very vague. Um, the person doing the choosing told me we're going to go with her. Um, and she runs a really great business is what they said kind of as an afterthought, but it was almost like a stab in the heart. Cause I thought I'm not, I had, I had two employees at the time and mm-hmm. I wasn't really running it like a business. And I remember coming home on fire. Like, I come in, I'm like, we're going to run this like a business. We're going <laughs> to do this. You know, so I've made mistakes and everybody will make mistakes. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I've signed contracts without negotiating. I've given away stuff that I probably shouldn't have. But the whole idea is as long as you're trying to become better and trying to plan your goals, think about what you want long-term, that really helps you make decisions in the short-term because you can ask yourself, is this getting me closer to where I want to be? And if somebody's not sure where they want to be in five years, I really suggest they take the time to think through because you're, you can't get where you're going if you don't know where that is. Absolutely. I mean, is that one of the reasons that you decided to open the storefront? No. mm -mm. (laughs) Let's just be honest. (laughs) Like everything I've done, it's all been like, well, (laughs) I really wanted to move my studio out of my house. I mean, I loved working from home. Two years ago, my youngest went to school and I was like, let me out. You know, I want to go somewhere else. I want to be around other people. I had a full-time employee coming to my house, Mm. you know, stepping over my laundry you know, that's fun. And so I finally talked my husband into it. Cause like I said, it's all about the return on investment. What does this look like? And we found a building that was for sale, but it happened to be on a historic square in um, Liberty, Missouri, which is a suburb of Kansas city. And so it was kind of like, Oh crap. Now I have to have a quilt shop. Like really, really that would it. If, if I was in a warehouse somewhere, I probably wouldn't have a quilt shop right now. And I was in denial about it for a long time because I would say, well, it's not going to be a quilt shop. It's it's going to be like a gift shop attached to my studio, or it's going to be like a retail ish component. And it took me a couple months before I was finally like, all right, it's a quilt shop. <laughs> and so then, since I have a quilt shop, I should probably sell handy quilter machines. Right. You know, and so this has been an unplanned for progression, but I think when opportunities present itself, they can still align with your long-term goals. You just have to be true to yourself. You know, this isn't exactly how I thought I would get there, but it looks like it's going to be a fun way to go about it. Another thing that I really loved in your 
class was your approach to long arm quilting. And so can we talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like it's even what people experience when they come into the store. It's sort of like everything about you. Oh, well, you know, I had to take you back really to how I learned how to machine quilt. You know, my husband's grandpa, I'll just call him grandpa because he's my, he was my grandpa by then. Um, he showed me how to quilt. And so I learned in an environment that was very encouraging. So I, you know, back in my day when we, when I machine quilted, we didn't have, you know, Instagram and Pinterest and even Google. So there was nothing to compare myself to. So I enjoyed it. Now it took me forever to learn, right? Because I was self-taught, but it was, grandpa was always encouraging me. It was a fun process. And so you can imagine surprise when you fast forward eight years and I began teaching and these women are being so hard on themselves. They're not enjoying it. They're comparing themselves to everybody pointing at their mistakes. And I just realized like, that's not a conducive environment to learn. And that's just not fun. And so I really try to be very encouraging, um, very, very like, Hey, finished is better than perfect. Let's just, you know, you want to get it done. This is something that we do because we love, not because we've been punished and sentenced to, you know, machine quilting. So, I mean, I, I really do try to have that mindset and it is super authentic to me because I feel like everything should be not, not that everything is rainbows and sunshine. I mean, for sure. But if we're so serious and and negative and miserable at our hobby, like how miserable would life be then? Is that what you think the biggest obstacle is for a lot of your students is themselves? Definitely. I spend 75% of my classes just reassuring people that what they've done looks fine, (laughs) that they're on the right track or that it's going to be good. I mean, one of these days people are going to realize it and I'm not going (laughs) to teach classes anymore. I, you know, I I talk to the design and and, you know, I show, you know, pointers and troubleshooting and things that every class I teach, I get better as a teacher because I learn what people are asking so I can incorporate that. But the way I always tell people, don't talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't let somebody else talk to you. And it's amazing how down these women can be. And some of them email me like, just tell me it's okay to not be perfect. And I'm like, I'm sorry that you ever thought you had to be perfect because that's, there's no such thing as perfection. That's a miserable way to live. So Oh, yeah, it, most of my classes are just assuring people that you're doing fantastic. Keep it up. Well, and after we took our class, or you taught me and I took the class, we did this daily free motion quilting competition on Instagram. And, you know, at first it's like, okay, I'm, I'm really excited. And then I was like, oh, I'm not so excited, but I got to keep doing it. And actually just keep doing it was mm-hmm. so motivating. And to watch people who just thought they couldn't do it, like, or I don't have you know, I don't have money to go to like Angela's class or I don't have time because I'm a stay at home mom or whatever, you know, I work full time, whatever the situation was. I'm like, look, give yourself 10 minutes, just Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. You don't even have to like take off your quilt sandwich from the day before. Okay. Just make one big fat one. And then that's what you're going to work on for like the next, I don't know how long. Mm -hmm. And even watching the hashtag and then following just one or two people, you could see in their 10 minutes a day how much they grew. Mm-hmm. And thank God, I didn't yeah, think I had to be as good as you. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing. Nobody has to be as good as anybody. Like it's, yeah. it's just like handwriting. You know, um, you, you learn that. And I'm going to say, you know, the design is like a letter, right? So mm-hmm. you learn your letter and you practice it over and over again. And soon you string those letters together to make words. And some people are tr- trying too hard to write novels when they're just learning the letter, you know, and nobody in their whole life, my whole life has ever come up to me and said, I love your handwriting. Why can't my handwriting look like yours? And really quilting is 
your own handwriting. So stop. It's so easy to say, right? Because we all compare ourselves for something or other. I mean, you know, I look at mom on Facebook. I look at other business people, you know, but for the most part, you have to celebrate your successes and enjoy that because you'll just be miserable always. Because there's always going to be somebody better than you, but there's always somebody worse than you too. So that's why you should just enjoy it. What's the saying? Like, don't compare your, your middle to somebody else's end. Yeah. Yeah. Don't compare your worst to somebody's best, you know, and, and it, it's not anything we do consciously, right? It's not like we say, oh, I'm going to go look at what everybody's doing up to bad. But then you start thinking like you become intimidated when I think people should be inspired. And yeah. so as long as you're doing your best, it will get, it will get there, whatever it is. If it's throwing a spiral football, if it's running a business, if it's machine quilting, whatever it is. I think that was some of the emotional feedback from people going to QuiltCon actually was there were some people who are amazingly like inspired and they were just moving along their path. And then there were other people who came back and thought, I can't do this very well. Or like they, they just, it became this spiral of like blame. And I kind of saw it play out in social media mm-hmm. and it was sad. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, you know, how can I say, you know, somebody who inspires me, who's been quilting for 15 years, I have not been quilting for 15 years or relatively new to quilting, but devotes like 40 hours, whatever the situation is. Like, I just felt like saying to everybody, like, let's have a big group hug, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, and stop comparing ourselves and instead say like, that was amazing. And either I want to do something like that, or I respect that that's what that person has done. And I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah. Truly. And I think it's so easy when you take a class and I try very, very hard to, instead of trying to talk, and I'm not saying that teachers did this. I'm just saying it can be very easy to say, and I did this and I did that and I did this. And so in my classes, I try very hard to say, okay, you're going to do this and you'll do this and you'll do that because people don't really want to hear how great I am. They want to hear how great they can be. And so I feel like if they can just take that mindset, like there's all these resources that are free and available for what you love to do, use that is inspiration, but don't get intimidated. And, you know, I mean, we can beat that drum as long as we want, but ultimately each person that is in that situation kind of needs to look inside and think, why am I doing this? It's because I love it. And I'm going to keep doing it, whether it looks just like what I've already seen. Well, and what you brought to our class, which is just hilarious, was almost like some of these like goofball quilts. You were like, I just decided I'm going to do this. And did I do it the right way? No, I just did or quote unquote the right way. I just did it whatever way I was interested in. And I think sometimes, like I said, it was that humility and humbleness of like, there isn't one just way to do it. And really at the at the end of the day, like who's looking at it from that perspective? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you weren't talking. Well, actually, I think one of them was a show quilt, but you know what I mean? Like it was, it was just about, I think, celebrating the craft instead of saying, oh, well, it has to be perfect or else don't do it at all. Definitely. I always try to bring one really good quilt. So people feel like their money has been well spent, right? <laughs> I'm not going to bring all crap, but and, and even sometimes it can be overwhelming when you hear somebody say, oh, I just did this. That That's even worse sometimes. Cause you're like, no, I want to hear it took you 300 hours of <laughs> practice. It took you all this money. Please tell me that you didn't just whip it out. But I think talking through the process, like here, this is what I consider a mistake and how I handle it. I just quilted around it again mm-hmm. and then moved on, you know? And so I try to make it more applicable to people so that they can feel like, well, I'm going to make a mistake. Of course we all do. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you kind of like, but I do, I like to bring all sorts of different examples so that no matter where somebody is on the machine quilting spectrum, they'll feel inspired. Well, and talking about your Mighty Lucky Challenge, 
tell me a little bit more about why you chose quilting with words. You know, so that was something that Suzanne and I came up with together. The thing about quilting is it's been around for a long time. There's not a whole lot that we can add to it except our take on it, right? And so, you know, quilting with words has actually been something that has been quilted on quilts from long time ago, you know, antique style quilts, but it's a fun, more playful twist on it. You know, I was thinking I could do feathers or, you know, something more modern, but ultimately I thought something more playful and fun would be more accessible and more encouraging to give it a try. Um, Because I'm assuming that people have signed up for the year that might not love machine quilting, but maybe this is something they would feel comfortable giving a shot. And so after brainstorming it and really running with it, I thought this is so much fun. And it was really unlike anything I've done, you know, thinking of how to take that concept quilting words on your quilts and kind of give practical applicable steps and then some inspiration and I I hope I've nailed it I feel like there's a good range of things quilting your name very basically to quilting the heck out of it and then painting on top of it so a lot of options well I think it'll be whatever anybody wants to make it you know what I mean like you can make it as hard or as challenging or as easy as you want and I think for some people who may never have tried free motion quilting that's one you know like just getting it under you know their needle you know might be like a big first step to somebody who's done it before but then here let's take the challenge a little bit further how can you make this yours and and whip out some of those uh whips that we all have right that um haven't been quilted yet i'm sure we all have a few no there's a few out there (laughs) (laughs) um can you tell me and i i heard uh tula at at quilt market over the weekend saying that you have quilted pretty much every single one of her quilts, including one a couple hours before your daughter was born. Yes, that is a true story. Mm. Um, and I, if I can have a few seconds, I have to take this back further because it's such a great business point. You know, when you're, when you're starting out in a business, especially long arm quilting, when there's a lot of people out there doing it, you just really need to go out there and plug away, right? You just need to go after it and go after it. And, you know, one of the things I did after joining a guild, finally realized I should probably do that. They had a quilt show. And so I decided to be a vendor. Now, you would think that one would go to a quilt show before they vended that one, but I hadn't. I had never been to a quilt show. Like, so, I mean, literally, if I can do this, anybody can do it. And so I sat at this table with just one quilt, some freaking business cards, and that's it. Now, have you ever seen a quilt booth, you know, vendor area so empty? It was embarrassing. And I remember learning something from that and I got not one call, not one customer, except a couple of weeks later, I had a lady call me who was opening a quilt shop. Mm-hmm. So she was opening it close to me and would I like to quilt her samples? Well, of course, you know, I acted very professional on the <laughs> phone and then did my little happy dance because, you know, goals are meant to be, be celebrated. And so I, she was my best customer. I mean, she sent me quilts from the shop. She sent me her own quilt. She sent me her sister's quilts. Like that was really the first customer that really kind of got me started. Well, then she called me, you know, about six years after that and said that her daughter was going to become a fabric designer. Would I like to do her quilting? And her daughter's Tula Pink. So (laughs) even if something seems like it's not going to work out, you never know. Well, perfect opportunity, but it has to fit. And really from the beginning, Tula and I have fit. So yeah, one of the first quilts she gave me, I was heavily pregnant with my youngest, um, who's now seven. Gosh, it's crazy how long ago that was. And quilt market was coming up because he was born in May. And I remember thinking, God, don't let me have this baby while I'm quilting the quilt. And that was my biggest fear. If I haven't loaded it, it'll be fine. So I'm quilting <laughs> Just don't let go into labor. And then after I gave it to her, and it was like a few days later, went to labor. So, you know, that's when you know the relationship's going to work. <laughs> and so then it's been, 
you know, really fun since then. I mean, we just work off of each other, challenge each other. Like, I, I don't know if I challenge her. She definitely challenges me. You know, what about spider webs in this feather? What, what about this big spaceship? And so working with her has been definitely one of the highlights of my career. So when she gives you a quilt, is she like, this is exactly what I want? Or is she more like, no, just do what you want? No, in the beginning, it was more like, do what you want. But really, as we've worked together, she gives me a direction. And really, if you're sending any of your quilts off to be quilted, giving your long arm quilter direction is a great idea. You don't have to say, this is exactly what I want, but giving them something to work with. So now, you know, when we look at a quilt, she'll say things like, I want this area smushed down so that this area pops out a little more. Or... Or she'll say, um, I would, I'm kind of what her, she's envisioning the overall look to go with. So for instance, I did these Parisville panels for her booth, quilt market eons ago. And it, at Parisville, her fabric line was a lady's face with a ship head on it. I feel like I have to enunciate that correctly. It was a ship head. <laughs> S-H-I-P. <laughs> and so she wanted hair. She wanted quilted just like that. She doesn't give me the exact, she gives me an inspiration and then I can take that and, and run with it. And so that's, I mean, that's the ultimate relationship, and especially the more you work with somebody, you know what they like and what they don't like. And, and she's never complained. She's always acted very happy about everything I've done. So of course she gives me fantastic quilts to work on. So I think it's just always been really great. And have you saved your Parisville and Neptune for your retirement? <laughs> no, no, um, did not. Huh. <laughs> I, right. All of us are kicking our, our behinds for that. No, um, I do have a little bit of Neptune. Um, my daughter used some on the back of her quilt and I had to remind myself that I do love her more than my Neptune fabric. I do. I think I still do. <laughs> well, speaking about your daughter, I mean, you've written a book with your daughter mm-hmm. and I feel like you guys are, as I've said, like you and your husband, Jeremy are like this entrepreneur power couple and now your kids are just like along for the ride like even looking at your pictures when you're working on the studio and your kids are there and they're painting and everything like that um how do you or do you find like life work balance oh that's a great question and that was one that was asked in this making it as a maker seminar and that was the one that was asked of me and here's the thing you have to watch out for pictures right it was like oh look here's my kids bashing this wall open everybody's happy happy. And as soon as that picture is taken, I'm like, okay, kids, get your iPads, go sit in the corner. Mommy has to break down a wall. Right. <laughs> so I think, I think we have to be really, I mean, and I want it cause it's a fun memory and I want them to have it. It's not fake on my part, but it doesn't yeah. tell the whole story. Um, my, my family is great, but I think there is no, there's no such thing as a life work balance because every, every day is different. And I think when we're always kind of beating ourselves up because we feel like we should be doing one thing, right. When we're working, whether it's from home, we feel like we should be spending time with the kids. And when we're spending time with the kids, we're thinking about all the work that needs to be done. And so what I have tried to do just recently, um, somebody had the best quote. She said, turn that G in, in guilt to gratitude. And so Mm -hmm. I've tried to be like, you know, I'm so thankful that, you know, I have a kid, you know, to watch. So just kind of, I guess I'm kind of bungling it up, bungling it up, but there's no true life balance. It's, it's really what each day is different in each phase of your life. And I think, you know, as long as you're juggling the best you can, you have some margin to your life. So where you're not burning out, listen to me talking. Like I haven't just been to quilt market, right. And driving (laughs) myself nuts. But, um, as long as you're trying to make sure all the big balls are in the air, then you're fine, but there's no perfect amount for anybody. When your kids are in the store, do you think that they are proud of your work? I think they will be very proud of my work. One of these days, you know, I got my long arm 
when my son's six months old, my oldest son. So I always say if I'd got my long arm before I had him, I would not have kids right now because, you know, I love the quilting so much, but I think they've always grown up with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been their life this whole time. And so they don't know anything different. Um, I think that Chloe loves being on a book, but to her, that's just kind of normal. So I think maybe when they get out in the world, they'll look back and like, wow, you know, that's crazy what my mom was able to do from one little machine in her house. Now I will say now, Chloe is my middle one and she is the mini Angela. So she's, who's going to like run me out when she gets older. I've got a limited amount of time before she's kicking me out. Um, but sometimes she can lay the guilt on just a little bit. Like, do you have to miss my special race? She ran a 5k on Saturday mm-hmm. during the market. Right. Right. So I'm like, maybe I could cancel everything I've got going on. Um, um, no, but I, I tell her, I hope one day you can run a business doing what you love and get paid for it in a way that you feel guilty that you make money doing what you love. So, so I think one day they'll, they'll appreciate, I hope anyway. Well, at fall market last year, I was saying to you, I saw your husband and he walked in and he was slightly like, he knew he was in the right place. <laughs> But I think he was like, there are all these people coming up to my wife and basically fangirling all over her. And what does this mean? So like, what, like, what was, I mean, did you like take him there on purpose? Like, was no, he was like, like, oh, you are really awesome. <laughs> no, um, you know, as we get the shop, he's starting to play a bigger role in the business. And, you know, he's got his own stuff going on. He's busy. But when we really started looking into selling machines. I'm like, here's the deal. I can't set these things up and run everything I've got going on. And so, you know, I said, you should come to market. Now I've asked him a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I think he was a little bit like you could tell somebody what market is, but you don't know until you've been there. And so I think for him, it was a little like, whoa, oh my goodness. But he's been on a couple trips with, with me that have been fairly intense as far as work wise, you know, so he really has a good idea of what I do. And he's very supportive. I mean, he watches the kids when I'm out of town, but it, it may have been a little funny seeing the kind of like uh, <laughs> look on his face. So, but yeah, he's a good help. So you're giving the keynote address uh, next year at ColCon. You're going to invite him, right? Oh yeah, he's coming. Okay, I good. Him. I mean, I already said you gotta, you're going to come, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I am so over the moon about that. I mean, to be asked to do that is such an honor. First of all, look at the names that have done it. And second of all, I'm not necessarily a modern piecer. I'm not known for my piecing. And so to be asked, to do that is a huge, huge honor. And I'm, I'm super excited. I cannot even tell you how excited I am. Have you already picked a topic? <laughs> I have. I have. <gasps> yeah. Do you want to hear it? Um, yeah. It's called All Quilters Are Teachers. It's oh. going to be a lecture. And the idea is everybody that I've worked with has taught me something, you know, and we are always in teaching other people, whether it's in guild giving suggestions, whether it's taking the time to show somebody how to quilt. And so I'm going to kind of talk through my experiences of the people that have taught me things both good and very helpful <laughs> not like bad <laughs> yeah not well not all things are bad right they're all just opportunities to learn something different yeah that sounds like it could be on a cat poster right <laughs> <laughs> if the words were only just slightly less numbered <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um well and i know that you have this in i just want to say like i feel like you have a lot of family both blood and sort of not blood you know but in the community <laughs> itself and then um last year nate um, your brother, which I don't, he's not your biological brother, right? He's your, technically your brother-in-law. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So he was in a really bad car accident and it felt like everybody just kind of like swooned around you to try and like envelop you in love, you know? And it can did. you, can you talk about that? Cause I know his, his sister, your wife, 
wait, (laughs) your sister, his wife (laughs) also works with you. And so like, what impact did that have on you both like as a person, but as a member of the quilting community? Yeah. You know, and even just thinking about it makes me tear up. It, It was definitely the hardest time of my life. So his wife is my husband's sister. So Jessica, Jeremy, our brother and sister. And so we're both married in the family, but I always hesitate to call my brother-in-law because we're very close. The four of us went to fall market. I mean, Nate was there Mm -hmm. at quilt market Him and Jessica had just launched their pattern company. Um, So we've always been, you know, vacations, kids the same age, very, very close. And so, yeah, when he had his accident, that was just an insane time, you know, for many, many weeks, months, we didn't think he was going to make it. And so not only to have people reach out, it was, it was everything from Jenny Doan donating, which I thought was amazing. She donated money. Julie Herman sent me pretzels. She's like, I just want to send you something. So she sent us chocolate covered pretzels, you know, um, to, to like, like everybody reached out and everybody was amazing. And sometimes I'll be honest, it's hard for me to accept help. I, I don't, not that I think I'm better. I don't need it. I just feel bad the whole time. Right. Like, uh, but everybody really came around and really helped out. Um, and so it, it was an amazingly humbling, um, difficult, but learning experience. I mean, not one that I ever want to go through again for sure, but just to see, you know, not only God's work through all of it, but how the industry really came around. I mean, I raffled off one of my quilts and it ended up raising $4,300 like for a quilt. It was a little quilt too, you know? And so, I mean, and even at market, like this market, which has been, you know, six months removed from the accident, there's people wearing his bracelets asking me how he's doing. And, you know, I told him, I actually saw him last night, um, you know, sitting in the car and I was like, Hey, people were asking me about you at market. And it's like, that's so cool. And so just to be able to share that with him was, was really fun. So he's got a, a long, long road ahead of him, but really the fact that he's made it this far is truly a miracle. And so, um, I'll always be thankful to people. And even it's not even just quilters. It was the police department. Cause he, he's a police officer. It was the church family. It was just, I've never been so like overwhelmed with support. We couldn't even say anything. Like I couldn't say anything and it would show up, you know? So it, it was, it was very great. And so I would definitely say, hug your little, hug your ones closer because, because you just never know. Yeah. And I think as a motorcyclist rider myself, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's kind of, it's just so hard because, you know, I could see how the situation comes down and, and you know what I mean? And I don't know, it was, it was like gut wrenching, but trying to find like the right way to help, you know? And I think mm-hmm. just all mm-hmm. the words were all we could do to some oh, extent, yeah. you know, to be but- there for you. So, but it was so like, that's what's, that's when social media is at its best, right? I mean, we've seen social media at its worst, probably not its worst, probably could get worse, but you know, the, the messages and the, the comments on the face, the website, like everything that people were saying out. And that was really what I clung to. I know Jessica did, you know, when you're in your darkest moment and you've just met with a doctor that's, you know, not giving you good news to be able to kind of read through that is, is such an amazing gift that I don't know how anybody gets through it without it. And, and like you said, he was in a motorcycle accident. So you need to stop riding motorcycles. <laughs> well, um, well I, I'm, gonna say that. I'm not going to say that, but I, I did make my kids each solemnly swear. I'm like, please don't ever like, oh, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I say that with love. I'm just kidding. I was trying to put a lighter spin. Did, did not want to come off as bossy for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's, it's a risk that everybody takes, you know what I mean? In, in one way or another. And, and so, you know, it's, 
it's difficult, you know what I mean? Because I feel like we always have to balance today and the future, right? I mean, like, that's part of, like, what we're talking about business-wise. It's like, whatever we do today has an impact on our future and what we're going to be able to do. Um, you know, one thing that we've been talking about is sort of all the decisions that you've made in your business. And and I think, like you would say, you know, you start things and you really want to try them out. And then sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. How do you decide what things you're going to pursue? Oh, that's so funny. So I'm going to just die if Jeremy listens to this, which I'm sure he will. He's laughing right now. So I usually pursue the shiniest thing first, right? Like, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I have a yes problem. I will say yes to everything. And so one of the things I'm trying to get better at is saying not now. You don't just say no, but just mm-hmm. not right now. Um, but ultimately, like when I'm doing things, I want it all to come back to my core value. And so when I talk to people that have businesses, whatever they are, I say, you know, you have to determine what your niche is or your niche, however you say it. <laughs> and and mine is, I want to be encouraging. I want it to be all about the machine quilting. Now I design fabric, but that's really inspired by the machine quilting or it's mm-hmm. to make quilts. Even the panels that I design are, are to help you be better at machine quilting. Um, the extra wide backs are kind of like training wheels for quilters. So I think having your one or two main goals and making sure everything points to that. Now I will I'll say that's not going to be my goal forever. You know, I'm, I'm looking towards the future. Like what does the future hold for me? I don't know. Um, but I think as long as you're always growing and just trying to pick things that are, um, a great add on to your job, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily go out and try to do something complete like knitting. I'm not going to go try to write a knitting book. I'm going to kind of take my, I love how I hold my hands up. Like your viewers can see what I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm going to start with my core products and kind of build from there and kind of grow that way. Maybe eventually that will encompass other creatives, but right now, now it's just kind of building off of the quilting. So that is usually what helps me decide. But ultimately, I'm really bad about just saying yes to everything. <laughs> well, somebody said to me a while ago, every time that you say yes to somebody else, you're saying no to yourself. Yeah. So I think that's a valuable lesson for any of us to learn. Definitely. And one thing that's really helped me, you, you might laugh and people will kind of be like, oh, really? Um, one thing that's really helped me is I put people in place to help me, to hold me accountable. So, you know, Jessica, who who handles all my travel. And then I have Ruth that handles, you know, the day-to-day shop operations. I know I'm going to have to be accountable to them. If I say yes to an event, when I've already told Jessica, I can only do it in a month. So that really having those other things, because I can't say yes to both, right? I have to. So that really does help having those people holding me accountable. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, I'm so excited to try out your challenge. And I'm glad that I could share with everybody just like the amazingness that is you. Um, You know, like I said, I look up to you both personally and professionally. And um, I hope that everybody has a better idea of just what they might get at QuiltCon. So, well, thank you. I've I've so enjoyed chatting with you today. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast and to Lucky Spool for sponsoring this episode. For notes from today's show, please check out my website, craftyplanner.com. If you have loved what you heard, I hope you will consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Until next week, stay crafty, my friends.